It is so great to be with you here in person this weekend at our Oak Ridge location. I always enjoy getting to be with you when I can, to see you and talk to you in person. I don't always get to to be here for that. So it's a real treat. I want to say hi to everybody at our Kernersville location as well. And if you are joining us online, thank you for doing that. We're so glad you're joining us from wherever you are. Week three of the Power of Words. I want to begin with a question that I think you probably know how to answer, and uh, it's this. You ever say something you wish you could take back after you say it? Right? It's just that moment of, ah, as soon as the words leave your mouth, you know, I don't know if you husbands know this, but right, I know that what this is like. like. As soon as it leaves my lips and you can see the look on your wife's face, you're like, oh, if I could just get that one back. You know? uh, and, and it's often not just the words we say. Sometimes it's an email. You hit send, and then you feel cold chills, just like, oh, I don't know if I should have hit send on that. Or text, you, know, you send a text, and whoop, it's gone, and you're like, <gasps> in just that moment. And, and often it's not, you know, the, the fact of what we're saying, it's, it's how, we, how we say it. You know, you're like, I hope they don't take that wrong, I hope it doesn't come off wrong, you know, all kind of thing. Oh, it's just so challenging to figure out how to communicate when you're constantly find yourself bumping up against the reality of saying things you wished. Yeah, and said, you may not know this, one of the latest, if you have an iPhone, one of the latest updates in the iPhone makes it possible for you to undo and recall a text. But you got two minutes <laughs> before they read it. Right? I mean, once they read it, it's done. It's in eternity, and you're, you're in trouble. But two minutes, right? Isn't that incredible? So you can just, you're like, man, I got to get me one of those. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, you got to figure out how to do that. And so it's just like, I find myself now like hitting send and just waiting. Okay, and I got two minutes to figure out if I need to pull this back, you know, kind of thing. Like, wow. But real life doesn't work like that, does it? Real life is different. In real life, we say things that we shouldn't say and we don't mean them. Honest, right? I, oh, I didn't mean that. Or, or I didn't mean it the way it came up cross. So I probably shouldn't have said it. And then in real life, we mean things, but we probably shouldn't say them. (laughs) Not everything that's in here needs to come out here. That's real life. And it's a challenge. Now, when you're little, it starts pretty innocently. Poo-poo head. You know, I mean, (laughs) you call me a poo-poo head, you know. Then, then you get into middle school, and in middle school, the gloves come off, especially if you're a middle school girl. I was, you know, as the father of two daughters, I was amazed at how vicious middle school girls can be to one another with their words. You know, the guys are pretty clueless in middle school, like, uh, feed me. You know, that's about it. <laughs> but girls. I'm like, wow. And then high school, it's word games now. It's passive aggressive things, right? And then we become adults and we leave all that behind. Uh (laughs) No, we don't. It just gets more sophisticated and we learn how to gossip without gossiping. It's called prayer requests. (laughs) Hey, could you, could you help me pray for her? Like, yeah, sure. Why? You know, you don't know. You didn't know. Okay. God bless her. And then we just say that, right? And, and some of you are like, but I do that. And I'm like, be careful, right? Be careful because, you know, even Christians can 
prayer share. <laughs> it's really gossip glorified as a way of, yeah. It, it just gets so intense. You start trying to figure out, should I say this? Should I not? Oh, maybe I shouldn't have. And the word bombs that we lob at each other. Sometimes we say it and we know it. Right? You say it and you know it. You know I'm getting ready to say something, and it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit the fan, but here we go. And, and you say it, and you know it like a pen pulled on a grenade, and you just let it roll. Other times, we have no clue that what we just said and the way we just said it is like a buried landmine deep within someone's soul, and sometime later, it's going to trip, and it's going to detonate and explode, and the shrapnel will do great damage. It's just so challenging. You know it because you've been on the receiving end of it and on the giving side of it. As we've seen in this series already, and let me remind you again, the words create worlds. Words create worlds, always. Words are creating worlds. Worlds, environments, and realities around us and even in us. And wouldn't it be great if we could just do a whole series on the positive side of this? I mean, it would really be cool if we could just talk about all the positive words that people have deposited into our lives. In fact, there's so much encouragement going around. Let's do a whole series on how encouraged all of us are. And I just don't even know what to do with all the encouragement that I'm getting in my life. No not it. All too often, it's the negative. That's why we do a series like this. And we're reminded of the wisdom of King Solomon in the ancient writings of the Old Testament scriptures. Still so true today. The tongue has the power of life and death. Your tongue your words have the power of life and death. They can be life-giving. Hopefully they are. Unfortunately, they can be life-taking and life-draining. Unfortunately, all too often, they are. Our words matter, and we get to choose. Now, I, I want to start with a part that you know to make sure everybody's on the same playing field here. You know this. You were taught this as a kid. You figured this out growing up. Uh, you were taught this in school. Uh, you were probably taught this in, in just basic communication with your siblings at home or in family members. You know this. When it comes to verbal communication to other people, there's basically two aspects to it, two facets of this. There's what you say, and then there's the way you say it. There's what you say and the way you say it. What you say and the way you go about saying it. You know that. That's not new information to anybody. There's what you say to them, what you say about them, and then the way you go about saying it to them or the way you go about saying it about them. Now, interesting, the what almost always gets the primary focus. What you say. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I said this. No, 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 you said that, the what. We, we, we get into all kinds of arguments about the what, the what, the what, the what. And that's very important. But what I find rings true is the way you say, it's when the wheels start coming off, right? It's not just what you say, but it's the way you go about saying it. Now, the way you say is big because it encapsulates when you say it. Timing is everything. That's what we say, right? Right, when, I can't believe, I, I probably should have waited. Probably wrong time. 
wrong time, right? And, and then where you say it, who's around when you say it. I can't believe you said that in front of the kids. I can't believe that you said that in front of your mom. This Thanksgiving, you will not say that at the table. Or, you know, I can't believe that was so embarrassing. And it's not just what. It was like the way and how you say it. The what gets all the press, but the way is where the wheels come off. Here's why I believe the way you say is often more significant than what you say. Because the way you say often gets in the way of what you say. Think about it. The way you say often gets in the way. And what you say doesn't come through. They don't understand what you say. They don't hear what you say. They don't, they don't really let what you say sink in because the way in which it was said was so offensive or so threatening or so whatever, you fill in the blank. So the way, often neglected, is so, so very important. Now, some of you are sitting there, you're going, well, see, dude, <laughs> that's why I just tell it like it is. I don't I just bypass all that, and I just tell it like it is, and I speak my mind. You never have to wonder what I'm thinking, because I just say it. You know what? We'd like to wonder. <laughs> we have a request. Can we wonder? Can you just close it, right? Because when did that become a banner, a a honor badge on our character. When did, well, I just say it like it is. I just tell it like it is. I'm a straight shooter, man. You don't got to worry. I don't play those games. I just tell it like it is. I just say it. Well, here's the deal. That's not a good trait most of the time. Most of the time, that's a display of foolishness more than anything else. The other day, I was on the way home from the office uh, we're getting ready to leave office and come home, and, and my wife Donna sent me a text and said, hey, we need a couple things at the grocery store. If you don't mind, you're coming by. Great, great, great. And one of the things I needed to get was honey. And so I go down the aisle and look at the honey. All different kinds of honey. There's clover honey. There's honey from here, honey from there, honey, honey, honey. And, and then one label caught my, caught my eye, and it's actually the one I bought. It's a big orange label, and, and it said raw and unfiltered. Raw and unfiltered. I'm like, that sounds like good honey, right? You just take the bee, hold him over the jar, and squeeze him. <laughs> Bad for the bee, but it's raw and unfiltered, right? It's also how they make almond milk, if you think about it. It just, you, oh, you can only squeeze two a day and aneurysms. And anyway, that's why it's so expensive. That's not true, but. <laughs> how my brain works. That's how I entertain myself. So raw and unfiltered. Now listen, I don't walk around. I'm a pastor, obviously, 24-7. That's, that's who I am. It's what I do. It's, it's my life. But I don't walk around in the spiritual you know, days all the time where everything's holy and you know, angels are, oh, you know, that's not the way my brain works. And so, but I did have a moment. I was, I was sitting there looking at that raw and filtered, and here's what I thought. I'm going to buy this honey because evidently that's a good thing for honey, but it'd be a bad thing for your words. Good, good for honey, bad for your words. You do not want the words that come out of your mouth to be raw and unfiltered. Find the right filter, please. So over the next few minutes, we're going to dive in to what, what God has to say because the scriptures are filled. Old Testament, New Testament, so much about our communication, both what we say 
And I would make the argument that even more specifically, the way we say. In fact, most of what we're going to talk about is the way we say, not just what we say. Let's start with something Jesus' brother James wrote. This is kind of, we could just get this one right. It would solve a lot of things. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, the slow to speak is not, hey there, man. You got those people in your life that talk real slow, and you're just like, come come on. (laughs) That's not what he's talking about, okay? He's talking about when we fire off words without thinking them through first, that we need to listen more than we speak. Listen before we, th- before we speak and, and listen longer than we are going to speak. Just listen. And so much, would be, so much would be taken care of, right? If we just got that one right. Let me go back now to the Old Testament. Again, this is kind of a survey of some of the things that we're taught about our communication. And you'll see this addresses both the, what we are saying and especially the way in which we say it. A gentle answer. Deflects anger. See, the way you say it. But harsh words make tempers flare. Here's the deal. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're young or old, whether you're a church-going person or not, if you are old enough to read that sentence and understand what it means, you know it's true because you've experienced it in communication with other people. And you've been on the receiving end that a gentle answer Hmm, just calms things down. But then, man, you can, that edge, that harshness, you can set worlds ablaze, can't you? Paul writes to the young leader in the first century church, Titus We must not slander anyone, and we must avoid quarreling. So, this is the what, and now he's going to talk about the way. Instead, Our words should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Let me read that again and give you a little bit more color commentator, you know, little so you can see how this applies to my life and your life. You ready? Republicans must not slander anyone. Democrats must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Well, then what would we do in the election? I know, right? Maybe we, yeah, I think we could figure it out. Instead, they should be gentle, showing true humility to everyone. The two words that really jump out to me here in this one is anyone and everyone. Anyone and everyone. Anyone and everyone. Yeah, but you don't understand who, uh, uh, anyone and everyone. Yeah, but you don't know what she did. Uh, anyone and everyone. Yeah, but you don't know who, you don't know what, you don't know what the policy, you don't know. You, if you knew, uh, 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 anyone Everyone. Let's keep going. Let your conversation. Talking about the, what we say and the way we say it. Let your conversation be gracious. Gracious. Filled with grace. Why? So that you will have the right response. For everyone. Hey, you like being right? Yeah, being right is a lot better than being wrong. Of course I love being right. Who doesn't like being right? Do you want to have the right response? It's not about information as much as it is the way you say it. Do you get that? Just noodle on this for a second with me, okay? A lot of times when we think about being right or wrong, we're fixated on the information. 
I told you I was right. See, wasn't I right? I was right. I tried to tell you I was right. And we think, well, I, I'm saying what's right. You know, you know, the Republicans, Democrats, Christians, non-Christians, everybody, you know, well, I'm telling them the way it is. And this is right. This is right. This is right. Just because it's the right information doesn't make it the right thing to say. Because you can be right in the wrong way and be wrong. Just because you share the right information, if it's shared in the wrong way, you don't win. You lose. Wrong way. Because the way you say gets in the way of what you say. So if you want the right response, if you want the right response, the right response has very little to do with the information. Has much more to do with how gracious your words are. Look what else. The cliche, the cliche of all communication cliches, especially among Christians and in churches, speaking the truth in love. Paul writes to the Ephesians about speaking the truth in love. This is the ultimate, the way you say. Should we speak the truth in love? Absolutely. But we misunderstand what this is about. We think it's about telling the truth because we love them. I told them. I told them the truth, too. Yeah, but it was so mean. It was so unkind. It was so unloving. Right? You can disagree with someone in a loving way. You can share harsh, not harsh, I'm sorry, let me back up, hard information. You can share hard information, tough things, have really honest conversations that are challenging in a loving way. You can disagree with people in a loving way. We don't know how to do that very well. We think, well, I'm loving if I just tell them the truth. Yes, 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 lying to people is unloving. Beating around the bush is not very loving. But you and I need to get focused on the way we say. How loving is what I'm about to say. And here's the deal. When you are loving me, you probably don't have to tell me you're doing it. I know. So when you have to say, I'm going to tell you this in love, and then you slay me, I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's the way it works. Speaking the truth in love. I tell you, there's a lot to chew on there. Now, one more, one more. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, make your conversation, watch what you're saying, and, and make sure that it's, it's helpful and good and beneficial for the people that are listening to it. Not good and helpful and beneficial for you, the person saying it. It's different. We'll come back to that in a minute. But did you see this? It's what we say and the way we say it. What we say and how we go about saying it. But I want to spend just a few more minutes drilling down in the way we say in a very, very practical way. I mean, I, I, I'm getting it really practical. We'll get super spiritual here in a minute. But to me, all of that blurs together anyway. Practical things are spiritual. Spiritual things, if explained well, are very practical. But we need to really think about this because we miss it. As we make comments to each other that actually have a, an attached agenda to them. You do that? You do that? Yeah, you do. 
make a comment, and really there's an agenda there. It's not just a comment. See, in and of themselves, comments are just commentation. You're, you're just comment, you know, commenting on, no, 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 no. But the comment has an agenda, or the compliment has an edge to it. So it's really not a compliment. Oh, must be nice. That's not a compliment. That's an edgy way, a passive-aggressive way of you saying, should be me instead of you. You don't deserve that. You don't appreciate that. You're not grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Uh-uh. Right? That's all up there with bless their hearts, you know. <laughs> all those things we say that, that sound good or look good on paper if you're reading them, but the, but the it has an edge to it. And then the questions we ask one another. You know, we ask questions that really aren't questions. They're actually disguised statements. We're trying to prove a point. You sure you want to do that? And that's not a question. That's a statement. Like, you really shouldn't do that, right? So let me get real practical with you. Here's warnings. When you hear yourself saying these things or thinking these things, be very careful because you are about to abandon the way you say it and get yourself, and you're getting ready to pull a pin out of this word bomb and lob it into somebody's life. When you find yourself beginning sentences with nothing personal, it's always personal. It's always personal. If you are speaking to another person, it's always personal. Or this one. This one's interesting. Don't take this the wrong way. And then we proceed to say it in the wrong way. But we warned them. Hey, it's their fault. I told them not to take it the wrong way. <laughs> what? And this one drives me nuts. Just saying. No, you're not. I mean, just saying. No, you're never. Get this. Look at me. You're never just saying. Because words create worlds. They're never just words. And the way you say, it's never just saying. Listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Then it, make, it makes me nervous when I hear people say that. It kind of makes me go, well, what was the last five minutes? Were you lying to me? So you're just now going to be honest with me. That's why I try not to say that phrase when I'm teaching, preaching. Because you know, if I were sitting where you're sitting and a guy says, hey, can I be honest with you? I'm like, well, what was the last five minutes? <laughs> what was that about? Hey, can I be honest with you? And then we use that as an excuse to be careless with our words. How about this one? I need to say this. I need to say this. I need to get this off my chest. Wait a second. Who is this about? When we say, I need to say this, and I need to get this off my chest, we have just made the communication about ourselves. We've just made it selfish so that we can feel better, so that we can check the box and say, I said it, I told him, now I've got other things to do, I just need to get this out, just for the record, just so I can say it, because I gotta get to work, I gotta say this because I gotta get to school, I gotta say this because I got other things to do, I'm gonna say this because I'm going to sleep. I need to say this. Wait, wait, we just read, we just read. Let everything you say be good and helpful for those who are listening according to their needs, not your needs and what you want. Don't be selfish in the way you communicate. Oh, and one more, you know I couldn't do a list like this without this classic, with all due respect. 
And then we proceed to say something. You know, you, know, you can't just say anything you want and then just say, oh, you, you've seen the clip, you know. Basically, the point here is that my words are my responsibility. And your words are your responsibility. And our words are our responsibility. I am responsible for what comes out of my mouth always and without exception. It always worries me when someone prefaces what they're going to say with, I am not responsible for what I'm getting ready to say. I am? <laughs> Who is? Right? We are responsible. And we all, here's the tricky thing. We all communicate differently, don't we? And we all process communication differently. We all say things differently and we all hear things differently. We just do. If you've been married more than 30 minutes, you know that. Right? If you have, if you have a child, you know that. Especially if you have more than one child, you know that. Right? If you have friends, more than one friend, you know that. You are, people are different. They, two people hear the same thing and come away with different takeaways. Right? And so I bring that up. We've got external processors and internal processors and external thinkers and internal thinkers. Some people are very external. They say everything they think. They say it out loud over and over and over again. That's how they think. That's how they process. And everybody has to be at the party while they verbally process out loud. And we're going, enough. And then others of you are internal. And it's like the internal hamster wheel. <laughs> it just spins and spins and spins and spins and spins before anything ever comes out. And here's why I bring that up. It is my responsibility to figure out, according to who I am communicating to interpersonally, how they hear words, how they receive words, how they interpret words, and I have to communicate accordingly. And that's a lot of hard work, ain't it? Yes, it is. But my words are my responsibility. Whether they're an external thinker and processor, an internal thinker and internal processor, it doesn't matter. My words are on me. My words are my responsibility. So that it is good and helpful for those that are listening, Paul writes. We just read it. A leadership coach in the D.C. metro area that's been a great help to our team through the years, our staff team, uh, is a coach by the name of Mary Power. And she shared this with our team. That it doesn't matter what my intent is, it matters what my impact is. It doesn't really matter what my intent, what I, what I intended to say, what I meant to say. It actually means the impact of what it is, I said. And, and I cannot tell you, millions of times, unfortunately, as a husband of 28 plus years, I've told, you know, I've said this to my wife, well, I, that's not what I meant. She says, but that's what you said. And that's what I heard. Right? And, so, and, and then I'm like, but that's not what I meant. And so finally she just volleys the, and closes it down with, well, then next time, why don't you say what you mean and we can just end all this kind of stuff? Right? And she's, she's dead on. She's spot on. Not about your intent. It's about your impact. I'm responsible. And if you're going to be responsible with your communication, responsible with your words, and, and make sure that it's not just what you say but the way you say, you're going to have to learn to get really good at saying, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. In fact, let's go ahead and say it all together. Everybody in Oak Ridge, everybody in Kernsville, heck, everybody online sitting in Starbucks. Here we go. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I don't hear anybody gagging or throwing up. You made it, didn't you? That may be the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, maybe first time ever that some of you have said those words. It's not, I'm so sorry you were offended by that. So now we're putting it off on them? 
I'm so sorry you were hurt. Wait, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That will save your marriage. That will make your home strong. That will create a strong bond between you and your teenager. That builds a great friendship. That is what makes coworkers gel. That will make your inner office environments rock solid. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That's taking responsibility for your words. My words are my responsibility. And, and one, one more thing here. Um, specifically for Christians, if you're not a Christian, this next part, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this next part, it, you can just ignore this next part. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, okay, I, I, I don't mean to be the heavy here, but we have to deal with reality. The words that we say to other people reflects on Jesus. Reflects on Jesus. You know, from time to time, I watch the news and I, and I listen to the media and their coverage of stuff and things that happen in the world, and, and especially when Christians do dumb stuff and say some dumb stuff and, and the media just blows it up. I look at that and sometimes I just kind of say out loud, well, that just made our, our job harder. That just made my job a whole lot harder, trying to reach people with the love of Christ. Oh, that just made the church's job harder. But then, if I have to be honest, I wonder how often Jesus looks at me after hearing what I say, goes, oh, come on, dude, work with me here. You just made, you just made our job so much harder, right? I, th- I think we need to wrestle with this reality. That what we say as husbands and wives and moms and dads, neighbors and coworkers, and Democrats and Republicans and Libertarians and everybody in between, we claim the name of Jesus, what comes out of our mouth reflects on him. It's our responsibility. So I'm going to give you something as a takeaway here, something you can do. Because at this point, you might be going, well, I got all this stuff I want to say, and they need to hear it. And you're right. You're right. Information-wise, you're probably spot on. On the what. But if you're not careful, the way is going to get in the way of the what, and they'll never hear the what. So what do I do? What do I do? I've got all this stuff I want to say, and I need to say it. Well, let me just encourage you with this takeaway. You know the whole idea of sometimes it's better before you go into a conversation with someone to kind of preview it with somebody else that you trust and say, this is what I'm thinking about saying, and, and, and kind of share it with them first, and they can kind of edit for you and go, okay, that's good, that's good. No, don't say that. And don't say it that way. Or just remember this, remember that, remember they're allergic to peanut butter, or remember their mom did this, or whatever. You know, they're just, yeah, that, that's awful helpful. So I want to take that a step up. Before you say it out, let's learn to say it up first. And in fact, this is going to be cheesy. I get it. But you're not going to forget it. It's such a pastor preacher thing to say. And Let's do this. Let's, let's learn to pray say it first. You're like, I don't think I've ever heard of that. You haven't, because I just made it up. <laughs> but you won't forget it. Pray say it first. Here's what I mean by that. Say it up before you say it out. Let it go up before it goes out. It's amazing how helpful this is. It's very biblical, too. I mean, say it to God first. And I'm not just talking about, Lord, help me know what to say. I'm saying, actually say to him what you're going to say to them before you say it to them. 
One of the best ways I know to help you process what you need to say and the way in which you need to say it. It's like there's this unused 24-7 helpline that all of us have available to us. Pray, say it first. Whatever it was you're going to say, just take a moment and just volley it up there. Just lay it, just give it to God and say, she did this, he said this, and I think they're a beep, and they're a beep, and they're a beep, and I just feel, you know... You know, I can't do that. Well, why not? He knows you're thinking it and feeling it anyway. You say, well, I don't, I don't want God to... You think you're not going to hurt God. He knows it's in you. God's fine. He's just fine. He's trying to help you. So, so pray say it first. It's amazing what happens when you do. You need to vent, vent, vent to God first. Need to air it out? Fine, air it to your Heavenly Father first. He already knows what's going on. And in fact, he's the only one that you can absolutely, 100% of the time, trust with what you're going to say before you say it. Pray say it first. And here's why. Then you can wait. It's so important, this part's so important. Then you wait and you pause. And you let God's Spirit edit because that's what you're doing, right? You, you, you share it with a friend before you share it with her or you share it with them before you share it with him because they can help you kind of tweak and edit so that you know what you're trying to communicate comes across in the best way. That's what this is all about, and it's, it's, and it's amazing. When you submit your, submit your words and submit yourself to your Heavenly Father to say, this is what I think and this is what I want to say and this is what I'm feeling, and he goes, I hear you. Let's take that out. You know you can't say that. And you know if you say it in that way, it's going to crush them. That's not wise. That's good. That's good. Let's, let's talk about and think about how we can best say this so that it is helpful for them in a way that they will receive it. See, then you're submitting yourself to the editing process of the Holy Spirit. And he works in you, and he works with your words, and he will change and focus what you're going to say and the way you say it. And here's one more thing. It's really hard to be unkind and unloving when you pray say it first. You're going to have a really difficult time being out of line in what you say and the way you say it if you have first submitted it to your Heavenly Father and you've waited and you've paused. You say, well, I don't have time. i got to go, i got to go. Well, maybe then you should listen first and be slow to speak. And give God some time to work within you and your mind and your brain and with your words. Pray say it first. He said, well, I, I just say stuff. Pray say it first. Because Thanksgiving is coming. And you'll be sitting around the table. And she's going to be there this year. And he's going to be there. And you know what they're going to want to talk about. Because they always do. And you're hoping they don't. And then you know that one thing that everyone has agreed to not bring up. But she's going to say it passive-aggressively in a snide little comment. And her eyes are going to cut to you. And about the time you look to her, she's going to look away. <laughs> but the dagger's been thrown. Pray say whatever you're going to say first. And if you need to, right there... At the table, go, dear Jesus, 
here's what I want to say to her right now. You let me know if it's okay for me to call her. Just asking. Amen. I'll let you know what he says. No, no, that's not, that's not the way to do it. Okay? Hopefully you know that. Fun, right? Funny. You can fantasize about that. Dream about that and submit that to the Lord and let him edit. But seriously, driving up the road, Lord, you know she trips those triggers. Lord, you know he gets on my every little loving last nerve. Lord, help me filter my words. Help my words not be raw and unfiltered. Help them to be encouraging and helpful and good and beneficial to my family, to my friends. Take responsibility for your words because they are your responsibility. Allow this process of pray saying it first to help you focus on not just what you say, but the way in which you say it. And let's start now. Our Father, thank you for being so patient and loving and kind with us, with with me. Lord, help me to take full responsibility for the words that come out of my mouth. And may I remember to bring them to you first. I can bring my words to you raw and unfiltered because you already know my heart and my thoughts. And then you can help me season my words with grace and put them through the filter of what is loving and good and helpful and beneficial and true. Father, help us. Know that our words reflect on you. And Father, I am sorry when what has come out of my mouth has made your job harder than it already is. Father, may we get comfortable with the words, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and please forgive me. And may we submit what we're going to say to you to allow your spirit to edit our mind, our thoughts, and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.